because I know at least in story brand, there's not enough conversations about the dichotomy of brand and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think there are some necessary conversations that need to be had, particularly for businesses that are not giant brands. I mean, I do think Don is right. Um, I think a lot of businesses, particularly under 10, maybe even 20 million in revenue, don't need to focus a ton on branding yet because you just don't have money to waste. Hello, and welcome to the Everybody Brands Podcast, where we help you build brands, shape your culture, and inspire your team. I'm Brian Soy, principal of Aspire, a design and marketing agency that helps people build thriving organizations and purpose-driven brands through strategy, design, and the story brand marketing framework. Hey, everybody. This is Brian Soy, host of the Everybody Brands podcast. And today I'm excited to spend some time talking with Wes Gay. And Wes is the founder and president of Wayfinder Agency. Uh, Wayfinder is a story brand agency. And uh, he is a certified story brand guide, or as they prefer us to say, story brand certified guide. Wes has some ministerial and pastoral experience that we'll probably talk about a little bit, but I just wanted to have Wes on the program. He's someone I've been admiring from afar, and we're going to talk about some of the some of the questions we've been talking about with the other brand and marketing leaders on the Everybody Brands podcast, but we're also going to talk a little bit about our favorite subject, which is story brand. So welcome, Wes. Why don't you tell me a little bit more since obviously I was not completely prepared for this. This is an <laughs> yeah. informal podcast. Sure. Yeah. So thanks for having me. First of all, I, uh, I run, like you said, Wayfinder, we're a actually a store brand certified agency. I got into the store brand world about three and a half years ago in October of 2016. Um, I had been unemployed for about six months and my uh, part-time job had been applying for jobs and couldn't get anywhere. After a difficult season, coming out of a difficult kind of church experience, worked in churches and nonprofits for 10 years, went several months out of job. But I've been following the work of Donald Miller since the mid-2000s. I mean, I first picked up Blue Like Jazz, uh, which was a be- his first best-selling book, and was just captivated by this guy's writing style and kind of followed his career and read several of his books since. So I knew that he had come out with this company called Story Brand, where he was teaching companies about communications and marketing. And I lived in live in Atlanta, so I knew he was... I knew people at Chick-fil-A who had done stuff with him at that point already with StoryBrand. I knew people with John Maxwell Company who had done stuff already. I'd seen the framework. The podcast had just come out, and they announced this copywriter certification. And I thought, I don't really know what that is. I don't know what a copywriter is. I used to work in churches. We don't talk about copywriters. And, uh, but I thought, let me, just, let me just place a bet on me, and let me just see if I can do something and kind of build my own thing. And literally it was, I'll make the investment, go to Nashville, go to the training they're going to offer for two days, not even knowing what's going on, and then I'll just see if this will – basically tied me over until I get a real job was my thought. Little did I know three and a half later, three and a half years later, it would become my real job. So I did that in October of 2016, the building a story brand book, which explains the whole framework that was a year away from coming out. So I had to figure out how to get leads, get business within six weeks. We had been living with my mother-in-law. We were able to move out and get our own place that we lived in until 2019 when we bought the house we live in now. Um, and then in April 2017, I became a certified guide, which for those of you who aren't familiar, it's more like a certified consultancy program. A lot of marketing uh, brands and other you know, sales training, et cetera, have these kinds of certifications. Did that for about a year and a half. And then end of 2018, decided to become a story brand certified agency. And so 
we've served well over hundred clients with StoryBrand so far in the last three years or so, three and a half years doing everything from websites, email marketing. I've been a fractional VP of product marketing for a tech company in Seattle. Um, it's really has all come down to the really helping figure, helping brands and organizations figure out what do we need to say and how do we need to say it? And that's really it. Right. It, it's so simple yet. It seems to be the, the thing that, many businesses miss in their whole sure. desi- desire to get to the, to the end. You know, they want to jump to, let's build a website, let's create a brochure, mm-hmm. let's do something. And then, you know, and I'm a, I'm a story brand certified guide as well. And so we are asking that same questions like, well, that's great. What are you going to say? Yeah. And who are you talking to? You know, the two great questions, mm-hmm. who's it for and what's it for? Yeah. And it's interesting because like this, I worked this company in Seattle. I was with them for about a year and a half total, but six months of that, I was a fractional, essentially a full-time vice president of marketing. I was their only vice president of marketing until they brought in the CMO and they were like a hundred million in revenue. Their, their monthly ad spend was probably 500 K. I mean, it was bonkers, but they couldn't keep their sales team busy, which was crazy to me, but they were, their email list was over 200,000. I mean, the email list was just, I mean, thousands of email leads coming in a month. We had really sophisticated systems, really complicated systems between things like Marketo and Salesforce and just really, they had full-time people just dedicated to keeping email automations running, just making sure all the things were working. Um, but they weren't getting any enough lead, like they weren't selling enough. So we started to unpack it and we realized while it was unbelievably sophisticated and really well thought out and really well executed, we weren't saying the right things to attract the right people. All those leads coming in were just all the wrong people. And so it became, how do we kind of pull this this thing back and start saying, get better at saying the right things to the right people so that we can get the right leads and we can generate more sales and so on. And it is amazing how many brands of all shapes and sizes from uh, you know, a, a local realtor, realtor or financial advisor in your town, all the way to giant global juggernauts. Like it's a, it's a problem that everybody has at some level or another, uh, which is great for you and I, Brian, cause it helps keep us in business. It certainly does. And, uh, and, and your, your story follows uh, one that's similar to mine. So in terms of becoming an entrepreneur, starting a business, going through the struggles, the successes, yeah. failures, um, and doing what we do now, we've come to that unique po- point of actually becoming unemployable because we've done this on our own so much. <laughs> yeah, I know it. So you're three and a half years in, um, we're approaching 25 years. Of oh, very cool. Our business. And uh, yeah, it's, that's what people are like, oh, what do you do? Well, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, which is pretty much makes me unemployable, but <laughs> I've run this agency for 25 years. So we, we're doing all right. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, well thanks for uh, explaining that background and, um, you know, the, the, the difference between a story brand certified agency is that there are multiple people on staff who've all gone through the process and are certified. Whereas, um, you know, I'm certified and I run my agency f- using story brand as our, one of our, our guiding principles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the one thing I like to talk about with everybody is this, this word branding. And we'll talk about marketing a little bit, but uh, because we're, everybody throws this word around and it does not have a widely accepted definition. Um, So from your perspective, how do you define branding or the idea of what is a brand? Yeah, I think brand, a brand is something you're known for, right? Brand or branding is what you're known for. 
Um, and that's really it. And what you're known for is usually one of two things. It's either the problem you solve or the solution you provide. Uh, while that sounds like it's the same thing, it's really not. Like a CarMax is more known, I think, from the problem they solve, which is the, the, the fear that we have of dealing with sleazy commission-driven car salesmen. Um, so they're known, more known for a problem, but a brand like Nike, I think, is more known for a solution, right? They're not actively trying to tackle um, obesity and health issues and all that kind of stuff. They're known for the solution of we provide great apparel, great workout gear, Right. They're more known on the solutions side, but at the end of the day, a brand is really known is what you're known for. Right. And, and it's, and you see this too, I think Brian, and you probably have some brands that you buy from or have used in the past where their brand is, um, is unintentional, right? Like for years, and I, I assume it's gotten better. I haven't been a customer in a long time because of where we live for years. The Comcast brand was how bad their customer service was. Now that wasn't intentional. They didn't want to build a brand around that, but that's what they were known for. Right. And so they had, they had to do a lot of work to overcome that brand that was unintentionally built, but that was the perception of what everybody had. A lot of people though think that a brand is logo and color palettes and typefaces. And while that stuff's important and visually it's good to be consistent and recognizable, right? There's only one Coca-Cola red. There's only one Pepsi blue. I actually think I'm not allowed to talk about Pepsi because I live in Atlanta. So I don't know if they'll revoke my citizenship, but you know, there's only, when you think of Sprite, you think of one kind of green and one kind of yellow. I mean, there's, we're Delta, I'm a Delta diehard. So I think of blue and red. So those things are good, good to be consistent. But at the same time, we also have to define our brand as how are we going to talk about ourselves? Like what is, what do we want to be known for? What do we want to be known as? And how do we come across that one? How do we talk about ourselves? And the verbal version of branding is something that a lot of, particularly smaller businesses and big businesses too, but a lot of small businesses struggle to figure out that end of it because most branding agencies only focus on the visual stuff. And they think we've got to invest a whole lot of money on a logo or a word, a word mark or whatever it is. And it's like, well, you also have to figure out what are you going to say about yourself? How are you going to talk about yourself in a way where people care and people understand either the problem you solve or the solution you provide? That's right. That's a great perspective. I have, I have not looked at branding from that perspective of, problem or solution but they are those are very integrated because that's then the point at which the 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 customer or the client or the mm -hmm. uh, follower aligns their identity with the brand yeah and then the, the transformation that it helps them achieve in their life mm -hmm. um, so yeah. there's there's a lot of nuance in there and I always like to describe it as it's that space between if you draw you know the Venn diagram and the brand is on one side and and the the, or the organization and the customer on the other, the brand exists in between. Yeah. And it's a constant, constant flow between the two. So fantastic. Um, so then let's move it over then into, to marketing. And since sure. we're talking about, um, you know, we're, we're, we talk about the words that we use to convey the idea of branding. Um, wh what are the distinctions in a sense between and then let's just say brand is that thing, but branding and marketing are activities. Yeah. So what are the distinctions between branding and marketing that, that small, especially right now in this sure. economic climate, that someone who's hoping to survive and come out on the other side stronger, or at least still in business, mm -hmm. what distinctions do they need to do? Because they're hearing like, you need to do, be, be doing marketing. You need to be mm -hmm. doing branding. Yeah. I, I mean, 
so I'll answer that. I heard two questions in there. The very first question I think that I want to address is what should we be doing right now in this season of uncertainty as we record this, it's March 20, 2020. And there's a lot of uncertainty around the coronavirus um, or COVID-19, which I can't say COVID-19 without thinking of the song, come on Eileen. Like that's just how I hear COVID-19 in my head. So you're welcome podcast audience for now. <laughs> that would do, but I would say right now uh, you need to focus on marketing because marketing is more directly uh, identifiable for sales, right? You need to double down on marketing. Now, could you do some things to refine your brand? If, if you have some time on your hands on the slowdown, sure. But I would prioritize in this season marketing over branding because you need to figure out how to get people to buy your stuff and keep cash flow coming in and keep generating revenue so you can keep the lights on. And then when we get out of the season, then we'll be able to reevaluate some of those things. The other question I heard is what is the distinction between marketing and branding? I think at a high level, branding is an identity, right? So we talk, I talked a minute ago about brand is what you're known for, both visually and verbally. It's the problems you solve. It's the, it's the problems that you solve. It's the solutions you provide. It's the aspiration you help people want to achieve. Right? It's this identity. It's this who you are. And I think marketing is actually more about an invitation. You're inviting people in to some kind of a story or to some kind of a relationship to do business with you. So branding is more about who I am and marketing is more of that conversation to draw you in. In terms of activities, marketing is a lot of the stuff that we've known at least for the last decade. It's, the, it's making sure you have a good website, but it's not just a brochure website. It's how does your website be geared towards, a, market, a great marketing website is really a sales website. Is it, draw, is it inviting the right people in to do business with you, to take action, to engage in your sales process, to buy from you, to schedule a call, whatever it is. Is, is your marketing proactively going after the people that say that you know that you have a problem that you have a solution that's going to address the issues that they're solving branding is again is what you're known for so in this season some market there's i think some actual overlap a little bit right now between marketing and branding and things about what you want to be known for particularly around brands that are doing so much to serve others Right. So you look at um, some of the like I've seen restaurants that are maybe donating meals to first responders. I see companies like Tesla that delivered a thousand ventilators to the California hospital system the other day. GM is jumping in on the production of or helping coordinating, I think, supply chain logistics on production of uh, hospital equipment. Delta's transporting like American Airlines. I mean, there's a lot of these companies now that are jumping in. And saying, while things are slow down, while we're in this time, this kind of time of solidarity, there's a marketing and branding at play, I think, because they're doing things that are clarifying what their identity is. But these are kind of marketing activities in the long run, because it's going to bring me back as a customer. It's going to be saying, I, that's the kind of company I, I identify with because I understand who they are. Um, like selfishly, as a guy who lives in Atlanta and who only flies through Delta, I've become more of a fanboy of Delta in the last two weeks because of the way Ed Bastian CEO has handled this situation, what they've, what his team's communicating, what they're putting out. That's, that's branding because they're just giving us another glimpse of who they are. And then the marketing activities that are coming along to support that are how do we uh, show that we're for the community? How do we get people to keep maybe doing business with us? One of my favorite examples involves donuts because I love donuts. Uh, there's a local donut shop here out near where we live outside of Atlanta. That's run by two former pastry chefs out of New York city. It's a married couple. They've the shops been open 10 or 11 years now. And obviously restaurants are, some are closing temporarily. Waffle house is closing down, starting to close stores, which is really saying something about the state of the world. But this shop realizes if they close temporarily, there's a good chance they close for good. So their branding is we're here for you. We're here for the community. We want to take care of you through donuts and good coffee. 
but their marketing is also things like our drive-through is open for all day. Now here's our hours where everything's clean. There's no, um, you know, I posted, a, I shared a picture the other day that they, they, they call their empty dining room, the new dance floor because they're not letting you <laughs> dine in anymore. Right. I mean, all these kind of things, I still think are a little bit of marketing activities are reminding you, Hey, we're open. We have donuts. Here's what's going on, but it's coming out of who they are as people and who they are as a brand. It's, it's, in this season of difficulty, like anything in life, uh, when the when the heat and the pressure is on, what we're actually seeing, it, brands are revealing what their true identity is and what their true brand is, I think, um, both good and bad. And then the marketing activities that come in, that are we're seeing out of that are coming along and giving us a better glimpse of what these companies really like because they're inviting us into something. And now more than ever, we're more aware of every, we're more aware of marketing than we've been in a very long time. And so we're like, wait a second. I don't, I don't actually think I want to do business with you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm wary of what, of who you are and what you're inviting me into now. Hello listeners, Brian Soy here. If you're like me, you want your website to be easy to manage, beautifully designed, have great content and include a well thought out sales funnel that turns browsers into buyers. At least that's the idea, right? The problem is many websites are missing one or more of eight key elements that make it easy to buy from or donate to. To maximize your website's potential for lead generation or online sales, you need to create an experience that's highly engaging and speaks directly to your potential customer's needs. That's why Aspire wants you to have the free ebook, Eight Things Every Website Needs to Engage Customers. To get your free copy of eight things every website needs to engage customers, all you have to do is visit websitesmadesimple.co slash eight things and request the free ebook. That's websitesmadesimple.co slash eight things. When you do, you'll get answers and insights that will help you make simple changes to your website so you can generate more leads and make more sales. That's websitesmadesimple.co slash eight things. Yeah, absolutely. No, great way to talk about that. And so what you're reinforcing here is that these, these two things, branding and marketing are never separated from each other. No, they work together because the marketing activities, the marketing practices reveal the character and culture of the organization, Mm -hmm. which is the essence in a sense of the brand. It's the the values, but it's also the behavior and the marketing is just proof of, of that character. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, you know, so for anybody listening, it's just really to remember that right now you've got an incredible opportunity to tell people that you care about them, that you Mm -hmm. want to be engaged and give them opportunities to be engaged and that you want to um, empower them so that they can feel in control. Um, so even by sharing the hours of that, that the, the donut uh, drive-through is open, yeah. you're giving people control over when they can drive through. Cause they may say, Oh, I've got this 30 minute window between leaving work and getting there. So I can have breakfast in the morning. Cause for me, donuts are a morning thing. Yeah. I'm not an evening donut guy, <laughs> even though they've got all these new, like, was it hamburgers between donuts or chicken? Between- yeah, there's, there's a restaurant around here across from, there's a Krispy Kreme not far from us. And the restaurant across the street has a Krispy Kreme burger. <laughs> yeah. Which seems like a bad idea or maybe a good idea, depending on, um, 
uh, the time of day. Sure. Oh, well, we, you know, we talk about pivoting too. And, you know, what can we, what can business owners do to pivot uh, during this time? And um, so partnering up with, you know, a burger place that partners up with a donut place so they can offer something unique between the two. Mm-hmm. It could even be a, a different way to pivot to attract some, some uh, customers. Yeah, for sure. And like this shop, you know, they're, they're normally open on weekdays, 5.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Now it's 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And I think part of it is um, great marketing sees everything through the lens of your customer. And so they realize they're in an Atlanta suburb, right? They're always, um, anytime it's spring break or summer break or Christmas break or whatever, they'll talk about it because they realize a lot of their customers are families and when kids in and out of school obviously affects their flow of traffic in and out of the shop. So with schools, closed indefinitely, frankly, it's how do we, how do we bring people in? And I think in terms of, in terms of marketing, the, some of the products that are doing well right now are products that can be positioned as they're not expensive, but I want to give you a little bit of a relief in the midst of your crazy day. Even if that just is a donut that's wrapped in bacon, which they have, they have one of those, Um, or it's, they have new specials every day. They had one this morning. It was a glazed donut with cotton candy frosting and sprinkles, which sounds weird to me. I'll just take my traditional apple fritter to go. But, um, but I mean, it's how do it's, it's, how do you see things to the lens of your audience and then cater and tailor that to what they care about and what they're dealing with right now so that you can keep, frankly, your own doors run open and your own business going. I think it's, um, we're seeing, again, we're seeing brands really reveal who they are, but more specifically, how do you tailor that and target where people, where your customers are at in order to engage them and keep the, keep your business running. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you're, you're really pointing out how local brands need to be hyper local. They, uh-huh. you, you can follow some of the principles that a, that a national brand might follow, but you need to be aware of what's going on in your community, what the, the schedules are of when people are working, um, you know, or when they're, they're available to come. Even yesterday I was talking with a client. He's in the same city as we are. He's the head um, president of a school, of course, working from home. But the first thing he does is he holds up his coffee cup. He's just, and he's five minutes from that chain that has now a coffee subscription. And he says, if I need a break, <laughs> I drive up. He goes, they are not making their money off of me. <laughs> he's funny. getting a cup of coffee every two hours. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, it's, I love the hyper local thing. I think too often we try to, um, you know, we try to think beyond where we are and we try to be who we're not. And it's just like in life, it, the moment you try to become who you're not, is the moment you're going to struggle and the moment you're going to really have a hard time. But if you can, and again, at the personal level, at the, at the company level, if you can be comfortable with who you really are and where you really are, I think you're going to be a lot more successful and a lot better at what you do. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it reminds me of something I read. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Seth Godin. Not sure if you are, but the mm-hmm. one, one thing he reminded me, and I was turning around to see if I've got it pinned up here on my wall anywhere, is the idea that, we're certain size fish. Yeah. And we need to, we need to swim in the pond or the ocean or the lake that fits our size. Mm. So, you know, a a giant whale, blue whale would not work in Lake Erie, which is five miles north of us. Um, The fish there, we might get some pretty big um, walleye, which is one of my favorite fish to fry up. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to get the huge because the size of the lake is small. So I think as, as, especially as smaller boutique agencies, we need to understand what we can handle and what we can't. 
Mm-hmm. Same for the same for businesses. It's you, you don't want to reach farther. You, you want to dream big, but recognize what's the best type of, of customer. What's the ideal customer size and type mm-hmm. for you? Yeah. And it's, you know, particularly in the world we're in with agencies and as marketers and I've seen you know, freelancers, et cetera. I think we, and it's, it's a struggle. I think sometimes we think, Oh man, I wish I see this agency has that logo on their website of one of, for their authority of they worked with XYZ. I want to do that. And so we start trying to pursue things that may be outside of who we are. And then we just get frustrated and it's, it's not like a stay in your lane. It's just like, you know what you are. I'm a firm believer that everybody on this planet is when you're born, you are born with unique gifts and unique talents and unique strengths and that you can use in a unique way. And if you can figure out how to best leverage those, that becomes kind of your personal brand, whether you do it in, in a company or you own the company or you are the company is the case of a lot of people as solopreneurs, then it's, you're going to be a lot more effective because you're living and working in what some people call your, your kind of desire zone or your strength zone or, you know, kind of intersection of, of what you get paid to do versus what you're, what you're best in the world at. And for brands, I think there's a lot of times we get in, there's a lot of insecurity that comes along because they haven't really just identified. This is what our brand is. Like if CarMax tried to um, go straight into the business of only selling brand new luxury vehicles, they would collapse, right? It'd be a terrible idea. Could they take the CarMax model and you, and put a different a luxury brand on it and start kind of like, a separate brand powered by CarMax, kind of like Toyota and Lexus they are owned by the same company, but they're different brands. Maybe, but you couldn't take the CarMax brand and immediately start trying to sell me brand new Ferraris. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me, right? This is not who they are, but they are better than anybody. And we've seen it at selling used cars and they have sold a boatload of them. Their valuation has tripled in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, 15 years. Um, or the revenue is tripled in the last 15 years because they know who they are and they know what they do and they just keep doing it. They keep doing it in more places. Right. And the the one thing you mentioned earlier too is they clearly understand who their customer is, but what that customer wants. They don't Mm -hmm. want to walk in and immediately be uh, deluged with a choice of three reps to talk to. They want to, they want to browse, they want to shop just Mm -hmm. like they do when they go to a, a, any other retail store. Yeah. They want to experience the um, idea of shopping for a vehicle on their own terms, not on the terms that the dealer wants to uh-huh. put on them. I don't, I don't want permission to, to sit in a pickup truck. If I want to buy a pickup truck, I just want to go open the door and get in and decide if right. I like it and not have to do this whole dance. Right. And then, I, and then I'll wait for the retired third grade teacher or the retired Sunday school director to come out <laughs> and ask me if I'd like to take a test drive or just to sit around in the lobby and have a cup of coffee for a few minutes. Right. right. I mean, it's create a better experience. And I think, but it all comes from knowing who you are and what your brand is and sticking to that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And and something I, you know, I've been thinking myself a lot about lately because we've had some discussions um, in our, in our story brand guide community about the distinction between words and messaging and design. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there, again, there's an interplay between the two and you mentioned, you know, you said experience and design creates the experience, Mm -hmm. but, and design creates the experience that the the messaging and the words we create get to live and play in mm-hmm. whether, and that's every touch point from the time that retired third grade teacher walks up and says, you'd like <laughs> to take a test drive yeah. to, to, you know, whether or not that dealer has one of those giant weird things that are inflated that keep flipping up and down in front of the dealership, or they're more like a Toyota dealer where, you know, it's going to be very professional and buttoned down. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was just in, I was in Nashville um, during two days after the tornado hit oh, gosh. earlier this month. And of course, the next day I started my car and it said, electrical warning, contact your dealer. <laughs> and the dealer we chose just happened to be in the area that had no power. Uh, they oh, were, gosh. and, but I drove up, the doors went up, I walked in, they, you know, and everything was just very professional from start to finish. I didn't feel pressure. I felt like, you know, the reviews said they could be trusted. Mm-hmm. The people there treated me with respect, knowing that they, again, they, they had a lot of people coming in. They weren't pushing cars through, but sure. they took care of us. And, you know, and even then when I had to go back because I heard this weird noise, expect them, they're like, oh, that could be expensive power steering. And then they looked in and said, oh, we made a mistake. And they just fixed it, apologized. But overall, it just turned out to be a great experience because of mm-hmm. everything that led up to it. Yeah. And they were the only ones. They had a generator. So within one square mile, they were the only business operating. So it was, That's it was crazy. A, it gave it, you know, it, as a, as a Ohio resident, it gave me a really good feeling about how, yeah. uh, that community and what they do down there, especially to serve, you know, and put things in place mm-hmm. beyond um, just that day-to-day business. Yeah. You know, and we're seeing it now. We're seeing brands who, who are, frantic and panicking because of the uncertain, right? You're in Nashville, the tornado hits. What do you do? Well, uh, your response tends to come from who you are, right? I mean, if it just, at least that's how we tend to operate personally, like how we respond in situations, particularly unknown or uncertain or brand new situations will emanate from who we are as a person. And I think the same thing is true with brands with, with sub when, you know, tornadoes hit Nashville and there's a certainty abounds, how you respond and how you act and the experience you create is really based on, uh, who you are and what you're going to do. That's right. That's right. So I read that you're starting up a newsletter to mm-hmm. help people, to help business leaders and business owners um, who are wondering what's next. Yeah. So I started a little newsletter called The Uncertain Marketer last week. So the week of March uh, 16th, which feels like a month ago now, and that was just a week ago. Um, I, one of the things I started seeing is, is two weeks. It's only been two weeks. Remember when the NBA and everything started shutting down, it hadn't even been two weeks yet as we record this, which is wild to me, but we had all the sports were canceled, right? Disney world and Disneyland and all the Disney parks were closed. Um, Apple stores were closing. Shopping malls are getting ready to close. I mean, everything's starting to close down schools out indefinitely. But one of the things I kept seeing from people I particularly engaged with on Twitter who are professional marketers, VP of marketing in some brands, director of social director of strategy for big agencies. I mean, all these people I try to follow and learn from the number one thing I kept hearing was, is anybody else feel weird about marketing in this season? Like we're so inundated with all of the noise, all of the time at a relentless volume and relentless pace about coronavirus and the spread and the stories, et cetera. And so people are concerned about how do we market and engage in this season? So I thought, well, what if, what if I just put together a little newsletter? I'm going to be optimistic and say it's only going to, it's going to run through May 31st. Hopefully I can end it sooner. Who knows? But it'll at least run through May 31st. And it's going to highlight a really practical thing that you can do in terms of your content and your marketing uh, in this season. I, it'll show what are companies doing well. I mean, I, as we record this, it's a Wednesday, the Monday edition that I sent out for this week. I included a Facebook ad from a, a shaving company called Supply. I use their razors. They're great. And it was a Facebook ad that I had seen because their founder, who I follow on Twitter, posted about it. And they had originally tried to do a discount about two weeks ago. 
and it just didn't work. I mean, they were doing a lot of their traffic comes from Facebook ads and the discount didn't work. And it was the biggest discount they had ever offered. And so then they switched it. And instead of doing a discount of 25 or 30%, they said, get a free year supply of razor blades. Their razors, their physical razor is like 75 bucks. It's high end. It will last forever. But a year supply of razors is only like $24, a single blade razor. Uh, so if you buy a razor, you get a year supply of razor blades. And it, he said it was like the best week or the best few days they'd had all year. So before everything shut down and before there was economic uncertainty, they did pretty good. But with this particular ad, it outperformed everything else they have done all year. And so I included that in the newsletter. And I said, I think the reason it works is it's time specific. So you're, you're going to cover me for a year, right? You're creating a story with a simple Facebook ad saying, oh, wait, I'm going to be protected for a year. I don't even know what's going to come next week, but I at least know my shave as a guy is going to be covered for a year. Uh, so you've got me covered. Um, you're making it really easy because all I have to do is click the Facebook ad and it automatically adds those razors to my account or to my cart. So I don't have to do any weird coupon codes or anything goofy. Mm. I just get it. Um, and then it's showing me some kind of value. My guess is for the company, it's a smaller loss than the discounts they were offering last two week and a half, two weeks ago, but their sales are going up. So it's things like this. So what are companies using? What are the principles that we can apply to, your industry. What are we learning? And then also what are some things that just are bad? Like I've seen some really bad ads and really tone deaf ads right now um, that people are trying, but they're failing. <laughs> and so what are, what can we, and I'll, I'll try to, I try to black out who the brands are because I don't want to shame anybody, <laughs> but I still think we can learn from their design or their copy or whatever it is. So it's called the uncertain marketer. You can sign up at westgate.com slash uncertain. It'll go out two, sometimes three times a week. Also thrown in some templates you can use. Monday's version had three or four uh, pre-written emails that you could fill in the blanks for to send out for content marketing purposes. If you don't feel good about sales right now or your audience is really, really struggling in terms of finances, then double down on con good content. I mean, good content is still, it's called content marketing. Right. So good content is still necessary and helpful. So what are some things we can leverage in this season right now from a content perspective? So westgate.com slash uncertain is where you can sign up. Get it two or three times a week through May 31st, maybe we end it sooner. Maybe it goes a little longer, who knows, but at least right now it'll help us navigate the days ahead. Good. No, I'm going to look forward to signing up for that too, since you, you are where I get all my good ideas from. Uh Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, no, and then you're absolutely right on, on doubling down on content right now. Um, if you've got extra time mm -hmm. creating what we call thought leadership and, and timeless and courageous thought leadership, nobody needs another top 10 list. Honestly, we do not need any more. No seven ways to do something. What we need are strong leadership articles on how to lead your type of firm or your type of, of or, or how to inspire your type of client or agency or, or um, business audience to lead better in times like this, which sounds like mm -hmm. what your uncertain marketer newsletters. Yeah. Do. So thanks for doing that. Yeah. I think yeah, a, yeah. a lot of people are doing those type of, of things um, mm -hmm. just to, help that's yeah what need to be doing uh, yeah everybody's out there trying to figure out how do i help you know where can i serve where can i jump in you know i've seen um i've seen people say how do we you know how can we help other businesses how it, one of the things i started today is a is how do we start kind of interacting with other marketers and we just have what's let's what if what could the conversation be like where it's a forum where we get ideas but it's also like a counseling forum where we just, <laughs> we yeah. just all kind of share our struggles, starting to have a couple of conversations with friends of mine too on, man, how are you doing? Like what's going on in your world? How can I help you? You know, I think 
I've always said generosity is a competitive advantage and it's more true now because of the season we're in. So if you can double down on generosity and just create places to share ideas and serve people, you're going to, your brand's going to come out really, really strongly this holidays. Absolutely. And then to remember that in that room, in that space of generosity to, you know, to be generous the other way too, just the reciprocity part of, of generosity. If someone's been kind, turn that around some way. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for reminding us about that. Yeah. So one more time, remind us, uh, the listeners, where they can get in touch with you or where they can just learn more sure. about and sign up. Yeah. So for the newsletter, go to westgay.com slash uncertain. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Westgay. Catch me on Instagram at Westgay. You can catch me on LinkedIn at whatever their URL is dot com slash <laughs> slash whatever slash Westgay. I forget. You are, LinkedIn's a little more complicated than the rest of them. But uh, check me out on those places. That'd be the best place for us to connect and uh, learn from each other. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me today and for taking some time out of your day to uh, speak to the Everybody Brands audience. Happy to jump in. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. Since I became a StoryBrand certified guide, I've helped dozens of leaders unify sales teams and grow their business with clear messaging that helps customers understand why they should engage, donate, and buy. StoryBrand is a proven model that helps teams and leaders communicate with clarity, connect with customers, and grow their sales. It's a sure way to get everyone on your team to speak in one voice with a clear and consistent message. So if you need help defining your focus and creating a clear message so your marketing starts to produce, contact Aspire at aspire.com slash storybrand. That's A-E-S-P-I-R-E dot com slash storybrand. So you can stop wasting money, find the clarity you need, and start growing your sales. Thanks for listening to the Everybody Brands podcast from Brian Soy. You can find more content like this at aspire.com and in the forthcoming book, Everybody Brands, how storytelling helps companies and customers build brands that people love. In the meantime, look for books by Brian Soy on amazon.com and discover resources to help you build powerful brands that inspire and engage at aspire.com slash resources. That's A-E-S-P-I-R-E dot com slash resources. Music from this episode is the track Wrong by Dan Hennig, found on youtube.com slash audio library slash music. Music.